I don't get to preach a whole lot. And so when I do, I come up here and I, I like to just look out for a moment and especially like to look up top in the middle because I find that with the, how bright these lights are sometimes, I don't get to make eye contact with you guys quite as much. But I'm just thankful for you guys and I'm thankful for all of you. And uh, we, we say that to you every week, I think. Um, no matter who's up here preaching, you know, well done, way to get up early, uh, but it's good to see you. Uh, we've come together. I want you to know that we're not just up here blowing smoke when we say that kind of thing to you. We mean it, okay? Like okay to that? <laughs> yeah. We mean it because we care for you. And we feel cared for by you. Like, am I, am I right to believe that? Are you being honest with the kind of care that you communicate back to us? I trust that you are. Yeah, amen. And so I'm, I'm just up here saying thank you. When we gather here on a Sunday morning, it is not just to be loved and to love one another. It is to come to God. He is here. And that just feels good this morning. So we need that. Yeah, I think someone just said. So amen to that too. So we've been in the uh, Sermon on the Mount this summer, and we're looking at chapter six uh, right now. And last week, Pastor Ryan had opportunity to start into the first four verses, the first verse of which says this, Jesus speaking, be careful not to do or perform your acts of righteousness before men or women to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. In another verse, it's going to communicate that, okay, if you want to go ahead and you want to kind of follow that philosophy, if you want to live that out, if you are about jacking yourself up more than you are about jacking your Lord up, then that's okay. I mean, you'll, you'll have a reward, but it'll be puny and pathetic because it's just about you. And so Ryan got into that a little bit last week, and now this week we're going to move from kind of the theme of giving into the theme of prayer. I think there's, there's 12 or 13 verses, something like that, uh, here in the theme of prayer, and Jesus is going to lead us through that. So it's going to be Matthew chapter 6. Why don't you go ahead and open up to Matthew chapter 6. And uh, what we're going to do, I think, there are two paragraphs in the text before you get to the actual Lord's Prayer what they call traditionally the Lord's Prayer, really is more of a, a model for prayer that Jesus shared with us. But there's two paragraphs, and I think that those two paragraphs uh, can fairly generate two questions. That is one question per paragraph. The first question is gonna be something to this effect. You take this and you kind of frame it however you would like, but this is the gist of it. When it comes to prayer... Are you more about you and how it is that you can pray and, and just kind of uh, exalt yourself in people's estimation um, versus when you pray, do you just want to do whatever it takes to get to God? So when it comes to prayer, are you about you? And wanting to be seen by others. More popularity for me if I pray a certain way. Or if I come across as Christian. Or I want to say, you know, Kim and I have this, you know, we pronounce the word Christian, Christian. <laughs> what we mean for it to be kind of weak and pusillanimous. <laughs> Christian. For, for, for me to kind of jack myself up. Or, you know what? I don't care even about myself as much as I care about others, and I don't care even about others as much as I care about God, and I've just got to get myself to God, whatever it takes. When can I finally, finally get behind closed doors? So it's just the two of us, and we can commune. So that kind of question in this first paragraph, so I've got to open up and read it. It says this. 
This is Matthew chapter six, verse five. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. I was telling first service, I had a friend who used to do that actually. He would stand on, on street corners. He was, uh, he was a CFO of a large firm down in Chicago and he lived in an upper middle class suburb of Chicago. He'd take the train to work every day. Um, and he would actually, if you can believe this, I, I still can't believe that he would do, he was a good friend. He is, still is a good friend. He would show up at the train station, suit and tie, right? And uh, he'd stand up on a bench and start preaching the gospel. Like, this is the guy I'm going to have to sit with on the train now, you know? This is the guy who lives in my neighborhood. Like, he's not preaching downtown. He's preaching in, like, hometown. After a while, my friend decided that, uh, you know, people in current culture in America, that's so weird to do something like that, that... I think to honor the name of Jesus, I'm gonna find better ways to share the gospel. And so he stopped doing that. You know, all that to say that I've had a friend who used to do, you know, fire hydrant, middle of New York City type stuff. It worked for a little while. Um, here, here's the point though. I think that regardless our culture, re regardless our generation, regardless maybe even subculture or local church to local church, isn't it true about us that we know how to exalt ourselves in the estimation of our peers somehow? It may not be prayer in the synagogues and on the street corners, but we know how to do that somehow. And so the question for each of us is, are we doing that? Or have we gotten to the point, by the grace of God, that we want to sweep that tendency aside in the power of the Holy Spirit and move into, I've just got to get to God. I want to forget about myself. God, give me some real humility. Not where I'm self-deprecating and making less of myself, but where I don't even occur to me anymore. Give me that kind of humility. Because when I get to that point, I'm going to be at a point where all I want is you. I keep reading here in this paragraph. So, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. So there it is. Yep, they got their reward. It's not eternal doesn't have anything to do with me. In fact, the more they practice that sinful tendency, the more they're wandering away from me. So we're out of fellowship. But, but they got a reward, you know, someone or a group of people maybe thinks they're a little bit more awesome than they did before. So they received their reward. Verse six, but when you pray, Go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Desire. Do you want him because you see that you need him? The sons of Korah wrote first few verses of Psalm 42 as the deer pants for the water brooks. So my soul pants for you, O oh God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? That, they, actually, they asked that question, that's not me elaborate. They asked that question, that's in the Bible, at least the NIV. When can I go and meet with God? Is that my heart? Am I ready right now to be done with the sermon? Go home, look after my sick wife. She's not here today because she's sick. You know, make sure she's doing okay, then hit the closet because I really want to be with Jesus. 
Just me and him. Desire. And Jesus is saying, which one is it for you? Because it can't be both. No one is able to exalt Jesus Christ and himself or herself simultaneously. That is an impossibility. You can't exalt him and you at the same time. So it's either or. It's either or for us. And Jesus is saying, make sure it's me. I want it to be me. Like I'm standing here with open arms. I want it to be me. I'm waiting in the prayer closet. And when there's no one else looking, the temptation that you experience to practice your faith however you practice it so that other people will see you as more awesome, that has all been dispensed with. And now it's me and you. You want that. You need that. We need that. But do you want that? Next paragraph. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. So this is the question for that second paragraph. It would have something to do with, with this. Um, in your prayer life, for as often as you seek God, when you feel the need to, for help and you turn to him, are, are you doing that um, in a superstitious way or e even a fearful way? And when I say, super, you know, knock on wood, I hate that expression. When you turn to him, is it nothing but a mantra? You know, because Jesus right here is saying that's what the pagans do. And there are many words again and again and again and again. But he also implies here what he says when he says your heavenly father knows what you need even before you ask him. He's saying, you know, Another thing in addition to just kind of superstition and we're going to be heard for our many words is anxiety. Fear drives us back to God. But sometimes we're so scared that it's just... Now, that's not all wrong because it says in Philippians 4, 6, for instance, be anxious for nothing be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. You know, God's grace is big enough, perfect enough to welcome that kind of anxiety every time. So come to me. But sometimes in our anxiety, it's like we can't even slow down to actually understand by faith that we're in his presence already. And he's listening to us. He's begun to listen. He is here. It's not that you have to frantically invite him. He's already present. But by faith, do you, do you know that to be true? Um, one of the things that I get to do, and I'm just blessed to be able to do it, and I, I know I've mentioned it before, um, but probably for about uh, a full shift every week, I get to uh, ride along as a chaplain with the uh, city of Harrisburg police. And, um, you know, city of Harrisburg. And so uh, virtually every time I'm there, you know, there, there's, there's harrowing stuff that happens in the city. And uh, here's something that I've noticed. I've talked about it with my wife, who she's a counseling therapist, and so she helps educate me on these sorts of tendencies. Um, but I've noticed that we're at a scene and something has gone down and, uh, it, you know, it's pretty traumatic. And after we kind of bring closure to what has happened and I get back in the car with the officer, um, so often what I encounter especially at the most traumatic stuff, is that the officer just needs, and I'm talking big guy, you know, male, female, battle-hardened, inner-city cop type folk. They get in the car with me, and they're like, blah, 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 give me a cigarette. 
you know, because they, they, they're, they're trying to process what they just saw and, and had to deal with. And I ask, you know, what is up with that? And, and, and Kim says to me, um, that's actually a very common, it is the exact same thing that little kids, when something traumatic happens to them, they have to run home and mom, 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 mom. It's the exact same thing. They've seen something traumatic and they have to begin to deal with it somehow. And the way that the brain and the emotions have to deal with that is by talking about it. And so the more they talk about it, and they get back to the roll call room, talk, 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 talk with each other. Well, you did this and I did that. And when this happened and when, you, you know, fear. And Jesus is saying, when you come to me and you're afraid, you can and I am asking you to know by faith that I'm there. So which one is it? I'm scared because I'm not sure. Strengthen my faith. Father, I know you're here and you're listening. You've known all along and it's true actually what you say in your word when you say, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. I don't even have to pray the prayer. He knows. Okay, so those two questions or the gist thereof as we get now into the, the Lord's prayer itself. So Lord's prayer itself and I gotta tell you, uh, volumes and volumes have been written for the last, I don't know, thousand years, whatever. Just here on the Sermon on the Mount, and it occurs to me, you know, we could have done a summer series on this text in the Sermon on the Mount alone. You do a sermon on every line in the Sermon on the Mount. Fine. Be rich and full. No, we're not going to do that today. We're going to have to scoot through it, though. And what I want to try to do is kind of share a lot of scripture. Because the idea here is not that we repeat the actual words in my New Testament ESV. It's not that we repeat the actual words, even in the Greek Bible. But that what it says is in verse 9, pray then like this. Pray then, not just pray these words, like a mantra over and over again. No, pray like this. In other words, these are the themes. These are the priorities. These are uh, the values. This is the character of God. This is the character of heaven, which you're about to read here, communicated in three things real quick about God, and then three things real quick about us and our need. So, I think I put in the in the notes that you might have in your lap, pray this way for these things or pray these things this way, however I put it there. But that's the idea. Catch this idea that it is about the overarching theme. Bring this content in your prayer before God when you pray to him. When you're, when you're communing with him, start with the character of God. Okay? So hopefully that makes sense to you. Now we're going to run. Um, so first line in the Sermon on the Mount, our Father, actually first two words, our Father. Do you see that God calls us to, in a sense, summon him or go before him and address him as a father. God is a father. Take my glasses off for this. God is a father who knows how to care for his children. God is a father who knows how to care for his children. Now, in one sense, it's true that all people are children of God, you know, maybe generally, you know, that's a, that's a sentiment of some sort. 
people. When it says that God is a father, the people that Jesus is inviting into this kind of prayer are only the sons and daughters of God. And not everyone on the planet is a son or daughter of God. He's not looking to care for them in the same way. But he's looking to care for you. He's looking to care for you by bringing to bear the full beautiful, um, ineffable uh, love and warmth, strength, authority, forgiveness, um, affirmation, just love and grace that a perfect father brings his sons and daughters without favoritism every time. I'm reminded of Mark 1.11, the occasion on which Jesus is getting baptized. They're there in the Jordan River together. John the Baptist is going to baptize Jesus and every member of the Trinity is present You have the Holy Spirit descending like a dove. You have Jesus in the water ready for the baptism. And then from heaven comes a voice and it says this. This is my son whom I love. In him I'm well pleased. Now, theologically, there is a difference between the son, the son of God, and a son, And I am a son. Hopefully you are a son or a daughter. And so there's a difference that way. But I want you to see that it is the same father with the same nature, unchangeable. And that he wants to go ahead and bring his identity to you. Where he says, this is my son. This is the first thing out of his mouth. You know, don't read over that too quickly. This is my son. I'm identifying with this guy directly, audibly, from heaven right now. He's mine. This is my son. But God says that about us too. Different places, and we've heard this preached before. We've heard it taught before, right? That we find our identity in Christ. There's a really cool verse, and I've, Didn't have time to look it up between services. I think it's in Revelation chapter two and I think it's verse 17, I think it is. You could even flip over there if you wanted to, to check me on this. But here's the idea. God said, Jesus says to the church, I think it's the church in Pergamum. And he says this, for those of you who overcome, who are conquering in the midst of the trials that are coming your way, One of the rewards you're going to have from me is that I'm going to give you a stone. Each one of you individually, I'm gonna give you a stone. And on that stone is a name written and that's my name that I've given to you. So that's your name and the only two people in existence who know that name are me and you. Because I want that to be a tender I guess eternal kind of a bond between the two of us and no one else is allowed into that kind of depth of intimacy that I have in my relationship and my identity with you. That's just for the two of us. Now I kind of, when I read that, I I just kind of gawk at my and my Bible. And I long for that time. I don't know what his name for me is gonna be, but I know it's common, and I long for that. So he's, the father, as a father, is willing and does in fact identify with us. So our father, this is something else I wanna just share. It's a little bit of an aside. Um, Hopefully it'll be helpful. Um, I I have heard among us from time to time as we pray, um, 
that instead of going to the Father, as Jesus says, you know, when you pray, say, our Father. I've heard some of us pray to the Holy Spirit. I am not, let me say this twice, I am not saying that that is wrong to pray to the Holy Spirit. What I am saying is that there is nowhere in the Bible, Old or New Testaments, not once anywhere, where anyone is portrayed as praying to the Holy Spirit. Never once, ever once. Meanwhile, Jesus does say, pray to the Father. There are instances, a handful, where people pray to Jesus. Stephen does in Acts chapter seven. He says, I see Jesus. He actually quotes Jesus, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. As they stone him to death. There are times when Jesus is called upon. But meanwhile, Jesus has said, when you pray, pray to the Father. Now, I'm not saying it's wrong to pray to the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying it's wrong to pray to Jesus. Unless the reason why you're praying to the Holy Spirit and or the reason why you're praying to Jesus and not praying to the Father is because you don't trust the Father. And maybe you don't trust the Father because of your own experience from your own father or lack thereof. Even if your father, your own dad, was just an abomination when it came to parenthood. And if if that's the case in your life, I I am genuinely sorry for that. I'm really sorry that that has happened. All the same and all the more, my heart for you, our heart for you, is that by faith, you can experience the perfect father and turn to him as a perfect father whom you trust because he is perfectly trustworthy and go to him because Jesus has asked us to go to the father. It's not necessarily, I'm not gonna say that it's wrong unless it still is a matter of him building your faith to where you can go to the father as a father whom you trust and find him to be the most awesome, perfect father you will ever find in the universe forever. Okay, enough on that. That's a little bit of an aside, but felt led to share that. Our father in heaven, Remember where he is. When when you step into prayer, one of the things that is going to be so good, and Jesus is saying, remember not just who he is, that he's a father, remember where he is. It says in Psalm 103, 19, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens. His sovereignty rules over all. Like that's some kingship. And that's, that, that describes his rule, his kingdom. He's in heaven. Or if it helps, and it should, I'm sharing a lot of scripture because this is the way to make full the themes of this prayer is to share it from scripture. This is how we develop what it is Jesus is calling us to. Revelation four, for instance. You know, John is in the spirit He said, after this I looked and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it and the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian, a rainbow resembling an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, Thunder. You know, in other texts, Ezekiel wants smoke. Surrounding the throne were in the center, kind of, you know, it's apocalyptic language, were four living creatures. You know, and they were covered with eyes all around. They had six wings. Each, each creature had six wings. The first was like a lion, communicates strength. 
you know, ferocity. Second was like an ox. There's the strength. The third had a face like a man to communicate intelligence. The fourth was like a flying eagle. Speed. Day and night, they never stop saying, you know, these four living creatures, day and night, they never stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. These angelic beings, seraphim, cherubim, whatever, however they're labeled in whatever text you're reading, it's six wings, two to cover their, their, their feet, and an expression of modesty before the throne. You know, two out to the sides, perhaps to communicate uh, expeditiousness, you know, to execute the commands of God. But then the last two, to shield themselves like this, to cover, to cover their eyes, because as they say, holy, 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 is the Lord God Almighty. They worship the Lord like this. Those closest to him worship that way. Do we remember stuff like that when we go to him in prayer? That's, what, that's exactly what Jesus is saying here. Our father, he is a father. Come to me. He is in heaven, supreme, exalted, transcendent, sea of glass, it says in Revelation 4. Who's going to cross the sea of glass? And then it wraps up by saying, hallowed be thy name. In other words, reverenced, holy. You know, the kind of thing that at times just renders us speechless. Hallowed. Hallowed be your name. And I know that in other places, God, you're going to tell me, you know, in Leviticus 19 and 1 Peter 1, and other places, you're going to tell me uh, that I need to be holy because you're holy. And I want to be about that business because that's your will and I want to do your will. Yes. But on this prayer, as I'm entering into prayer, you know what? It's not about me to start. At the front end of the prayer, it is all about you. It's not even about my holiness. It's not about my obedience. It's not about any of that that's good. And you called me to it. But it is about you. Hallowed be your name. Then he says, your kingdom come. Your kingdom. Your, your full expression of who you are and what you want in the world you've created. Bring it. Bring that. Dear G, you know, bring that in Jesus' name. Your kingdom come. And not just the advancement of that in my heart, so that I'm becoming better and better salt and light. Is wherever I happen to be living, wherever I'm rubbing shoulders with on Monday. Not just in my heart, but in my life. But not just in my life, but ultimately. I want you, Father, and I pray for you to bring your kingdom ultimately in the return of Jesus Christ on earth to commence his reign, perfect, sublime, absolute, beneficent, benevolent, forever. I want that. I want to see the realization, the actualization of your kingdom. You know, folks, I gotta tell you, it's not the last verse of the Bible. It's the second to last verse of the Bible. It says this in the book of Revelation. It's John, and he's saying, even so, 
come Lord Jesus. He has said that he's coming back. That's what I want. End of Bible. <laughs> come. Your kingdom come. End of Bible. Okay, he's on his way. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we had a statement about the glory of God. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. The reign of God, your kingdom come. And now the will of God, your will be done and have it be done on earth as it is in heaven. Three words, uh, at least three words that come to my mind. Please send me other words that come to your mind. When it comes to the will of God in heaven being done on earth, three words, fully, not partially. The word of God in heaven, the will of God in heaven is never done partially, in part. Okay, we think we can handle that today, but not that other thing. It would never be uttered in heaven, right? Fully. Second, immediately. Not waiting around, you know what? I think I need a rest break. You've been a little too nitpicky lately. And so when I get around to it, I will, maybe. There's none of that, immediately. Fully, immediately, third word, exclusively. They're not taking their orders from anyone else but God. You know, it's not I've got to see my commanding officer. I'm not really sure what my commanding officer that I agreed with that. That's the best. So I'm going to go over to another general and find out what he has to say. They're not getting mixed orders. I love in uh, Psalm 103 again, where it says about the angels. Um, I'm going to have to go back and try to remember this here off the cuff. Um, Bless the Lord, uh, you his angels, mighty in strength, who perform his word, who obey the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you his hosts, you who serve him, doing his will. Just a comment about the angels. You know, David is rejoicing in something that, I don't know if he ever saw it, if you know, God gave him a vision or not. Pretty Awesome fully, exclusively, immediately, your will be done. And to do your will, I've got to know your word. We have to be reading our Bibles. You know that, right? We have to be reading our Bibles. Say something else about that in just a moment. But to do his will, I have to know his will. And the way I know his will is to read his word. Then there's a shift. So we've got these three things, the glory of God, the reign of God, the will of God, all about God. Now there's a shift in the prayer to three things about us. First thing, verse 11 says, give us this day our daily bread. So I, I, I'm riding with, uh, with one of the guys here downtown in the police car and we get a 911 call and we show up in just an amazingly, impoverished neighborhood. And to give you a feel for the kind of home that we were stepping into, um, as I stepped through the door, uh, I almost fell through. Don't step there, that's rotted out. Step to the side. Okay, so that, that's the kind of home that I stepped into. A woman had called, and she was, she was renting a room in this house where there were probably four to six other rooms being rented by other people. And someone who was renting another room had stolen her box of cereal. And so she called 911. And as I'm stepping out, start, I start to talk with this woman. And she says, you don't understand. I need that cereal. Imagine a life, this is our area. I'm not talking overseas right now. Imagine a life where you call 911 
because you want your cereal back. I start to talk with her and I, I figure out that she's got a little bit of a church background and I ask her about Jesus and she says, okay, yeah, gee, I, need, I need to get back to Jesus. Yeah, you do. You do need to get back to Jesus, you know, because he's got you. Do you understand that? He's got, you know, I'm standing here. You know, I got a pretty big ripped guy standing next to me. He's just quiet. Oh, the, you know, the officer. I said, he's got you. Can I put my hand in your arm? I'm looking her straight in the eye. Let's, he's got you. We ended up talking for about half an hour. Finally, the officer says, we got to get out of here. <laughs> I'm like, I'd much rather, you pick me up later. I'd rather stay here with her. He gives us today our daily bread and he gives it to us physically. Just bare bone basic. This is what Jesus is saying. Pray for that. Feed us and feed me whatever it is you want me to eat. And don't just feed me physically, by the way, feed me spiritually. God said in... Um, where is it? Deuteronomy 8.3. Deuteronomy 8.3. And it says there, and he humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known. This is, they're, they're on the road, right? This is the exodus. And they don't know how they're gonna drink or eat. And they're not sure where we're out here. Now we're all gonna starve. We wanna go back to Egypt. At least, you know, well, then we'll be alive. And he humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you physically with manna to teach you that man does not live on physical bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. You have to feed on the Bible. You have to feed on the word of God if you are going to get by. See, you know, so th thank the Lord for the, for the Bible that feeds us. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Skip over verse 13 for just a moment into verse 14. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. You know, you read that first time and it might come across as a little bit tit for tat. You know, that here we serve a God who says, well, I'm not terribly quick to forgive. And so I'll tell you what, I'll make you, I'll cut you a deal. For every sin you forgive, I'll forgive one of yours. That, that, that's not what's happening here. It has a lot more to do with um, attitude than it does with, with sequence, you know, and this going back and forth has to do with attitude. Has to do with the kind of attitude where you have on one hand the person who says, you know what, I see the need in my own life for so much forgiveness. And it gives me a heart for the people around me so that when they wrong me, I wanna forgive them, I wanna be quick to forgive. Because I just, you know, God is making this, my, my heart, you, you know, I, I have a new heart. And in my heart, I, I, I just, I want to be forgiven by him. I want for other people to experience his forgiveness. You know, that kind of a humble expression of need versus the kind of person who has the attitude that says, well, you know, I don't think I'm that bad a person. I think you're a bad person. You really ticked me off when you said this or did that to me. And so I'm going to carry a grudge for a while. I'm not looking at forgiving you but I'm not looking for forgiveness for myself either because I don't think that I'm too bad. Jesus is making a comment here about attitude. We want to be the kind of people who see our need for forgiveness and are quick to forgive others. It says in Ephesians 4.32, and be kind to one another, forgiving each other. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, 
forgiving each other just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. So we wanna be those kind of people. And then verse 13, and lead us not into temptation. So it says in James chapter one, uh, God does not tempt. So you can go there and you can read that and understand the difference between lead us not. And in fact, if you were to even read that in my ESV version here and lead us, comma, not into temptation, but into the kind of righteousness that you call us to and is the character of your son, Jesus. It's obvious. That's the kind of thing that you're going to lead us into. It still has to do with attitude. For if you forget, I'm sorry, and lead us not into temptation. For no temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able to endure, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also that you may be able to endure it. That's 1 Corinthians 10, 13. You could write that right into the margin of your Bible so that as you're praying through this, you can remember that promise. That when it says, lead us not into temptation, God is saying, not only will I not lead you into temptation, but I'm going to always, every single time, I'm going to leave you with an escape route every single time. It's up to you to go ahead and take the route, but I will make sure that I communicate to you in such a way that you will see, I will enable you to see the path before. You won't have to guess or feel like I'm not there and I'm not gonna help you, no. I will clarify to you the route, but it's gonna be up to you to take the route. Deliver us from temptation. And then finally, deliver us from evil. So I'm gonna tell you a story and it might freak you out a little bit. Um, Deliver you from evil or uh, you might have a little note there in your Bible that says or, um, you know, an acceptable kind of a variant there at the end of the prayer is the evil one meaning Satan, the devil. Years ago now, it must have been 20 years ago, um, and my son is just a little kiddo, and it's at night, and uh, he's, um, he's probably five or six years old. He, he comes in. He had been in his bedroom for some time, and Kim and I had just gotten in bed, turned the lights off, and, uh, and then here he comes padding in, you know, in his little, I don't know if he was still in a onesie or not, but, you know, he comes padding in, and he, he, he'd, been, uh, he'd been in his own bedroom, we thought, asleep. And I said, buddy, what's going on? He says, um, I'm scared. And I said, well, what are, you, what are you scared of? He says, there's a monster in my room. Okay. What, is, what, is, what does the monster look like? Um, well, it's green. And by the way, if, if you've been at this long enough, like nine times out of 10, the monster is green. And nine times out of 10, uh, the monster is green with red eyes. I'm not kidding. Green with red eyes. On that particular night, it was a green skull. And I said, well, where, where, where is it? And he said, it's, it's right at the lamp fixture, kind of, you know, in the middle of my room, even though the lights are off. I said, okay, um, well, you, you seem scared, and, you know, we're going to, and he said, well, it also speaks to me. I said, it does. Well, what, what does it say to you? He said, it tells me that I'm stupid. Now, this is a little six-year-old kid. It tells me I'm stupid. I mean, do you see Satan in this already, right? It tells me that I'm stupid. I said, really? And he said, yeah, but I think it's stupid. <laughs> I, that was my reaction too. I'm like, really, you do? Well, why, why is that? And this is where it gets really creepy. He said, because it doesn't know my name. And I said, well, how do you know it doesn't know your name? And he said, because it calls me Adam, 
not Joe. The name Adam is the word for man in the Hebrew. That's out of the mouths of babes. He's six years old. He doesn't know the Hebrew language. He's just been scared in the middle of the night. The, the, the point, I think, is pretty obvious. That kind of thing is real. And his parents, grandparents, want to take it that way. Believe our little kiddos when they say stuff like that to us. Step into that room. Feel free to get angry with some righteous indignation. Pray in the name of Jesus. My mom always taught me, pray the blood of Christ. Like, yes, ma'am. Anyway, Adam, what do you think about that? Deliver us from the evil one. Let's pray. Father, here we are and we want to pray. We've had a text that is about prayer. We want to pray the prayer you're telling us to pray. We want to pray like this, not just have it be babble and recitation of exact words every time that have no meaning, but we do want to come before you and we want to see your name be hallowed in the world and in the universe. We want to see your kingdom come on your terms, not ours. We want to see your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We desire that you feed us whatever it is you want us to eat, both physically and spiritually, from your word. The word of God, feed us. Feed us from the Bible. We want to be people who are quick to forgive and quick to seek forgiveness when we know that we should. And we express our need to be delivered from temptation and delivered from the enemy and all evil. So Father, we pray for that now and we want to keep praying for that. In Jesus' name, amen.